This is Brunch with the Hollowells, and here's a quote from Rob. You never conjure where you carve. Very important. You never conjure where you carve. I have no idea what that even means. <laughs> it could serve as a small hint, but you really have to know your witches. This is actually the witch from the Pixar film Brave. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one I only saw like twice. Yeah. Well, the carve is is insinuating because she carved wooden um, objects and figurines all the time. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we've done her yet. And this is something that I completely forgot about. The voice of the witch is Julie Walters, a.k.a. Mrs. Weasley. Oh, I did not know that. I know, right? Yeah, I was very shocked to see that, but makes sense. Fits right in her um her lane. So praise Julie Walters for another awesome witch character. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Brave? Um, I I like the message. I think it wasn't Pixar's best movie, but I enjoyed it overall. Very cool. Well, I chose her because uh while she plays a witch that is a little conniving, a little like, let me teach you a lesson in the form of hijinks and almost killing the mom as a bear, uh, she does it with a lot of like positive energy, a lot of spirit. She's very funny. She's lighthearted. Even though she lives in the woods, she may give off a little like scary demeanor. She's a really cool, good witch, and she uses her magic mostly to teach people a lesson and not just, you know, f free to do whatever she wants, you know? Um, I couldn't tell you how old she is. I mean, she's a very old witch, but she obviously still has a good outlook on life, and this world has not made her bitter, and so, again, another reason to <laughs> praise the witch from Brave. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, welcome back, Charmies. We are here for Season 5. I'm Rob the charm fanatic i'm sean i'm still watching it all for the very first time that's right for any newcomers this time around this show basically recaps the og series and all eight seasons of charmed i uh have watched charmed forever and a day since its uh premiere back in uh, the 90s and I convinced Sean to finally watch the show for the first time and review it with me every episode one at a time. Uh, Sean being a very big Buffy fan again um, back on day one I said that a lot of Buffy fans don't really look to Charmed as something of comparison or even up to its level so it gets a lot of hate from Buffy fans sometimes and I'm here to convince Sean that Charmed is a good show despite the comparison to the almighty Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> so if you guys are new to the show, welcome. This We're going to do the two-part season premiere, A Witch's Tale. Uh, is there anything that we should talk about before we get into the episode? Um, just real quick, over the break, I like... Brought all this witch fodder into me, Rob. I watched his Dark Materials. I watched Fort Salem. 
watching The Witcher currently. I'm ready for you, girl. <laughs> what did you think of um, Fort Salem? I like the rest of it. I, I like the shock ending. Um, it never got to be like super good to me. It's just like a, a good show, but I'm definitely in to watch more of it. Gotcha. I I would agree with that. I do want a little bit something more, but I do love the characters that we are watching. They're at least not boring, so thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, well, uh, let's get right into our episode. We have an entire two-hour premiere to cover, so uh, just to give you a heads up, we are doing the first half, part one, today, and then the following next day, Monday, you will receive part two to conclude the season premiere. Right now, we are doing A Witch's Tale, part one. Original air date is September 22nd, 2002. It was written by Daniel Cerrone, directed by uh, James L. Conway. Part two was written by Monica Breen and Allison Skapker, and directed by Mel Damsky. Uh, Guest stars include Jamie Presley as Miley, Diane Salinger as the Sea Hag, Dan Guthier as Craig Wilson, and Nancy O'Dell playing herself. With a return uh, back is Fiona Hughes as Miss Patty Hollowell. This episode scored 6.3 million viewers. Phoebe is running late for work, but Piper wants her to have a look at the nursery. Phoebe doesn't know why Piper and Leo are working on it now. Piper isn't due for several months. However, Piper wants to get a jump on it before the next demon attack. She also wants Phoebe's input on what color to use for the walls. Just then, Paige orbs in and a Borneo demon shimmers in behind her. Piper blows the demon up. Paige had a potion blow up in her face last night and is now a redhead, prompting Leo to express concern about her recent super witch kick. He's also worried that Piper isn't focused enough on the baby's safety, but Piper isn't willing to take a break from her charmed duties. Okay, so usually when a show returns and uh, we get a sense of time lapsing, people sometimes change their images to suggest that, you know, there's been a little bit of time since we last saw them and everyone, except for Piper, <laughs> has a different look. Uh, let's go through them, shall we? First of all, Leo and his shorter hair. I love it. And he put on his carpenter gear again, which makes him super hot today. <laughs> yeah, I love so look. cute. Don't you like, I don't know what it was. It was that first scene him putting in that window. I was like, yes, this is how I like Leo. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely an expert at putting things in and I would definitely let him. <laughs> Welcome back, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Phoebe who somewhat had long hair in the last season, but now it's straight down to her shoulders even. What do you think of this look? I really like this look on her because I feel like it's a continuation of the hair we left her on in season four where it didn't quite look as good yet, but now it's grown out a little bit and it fits her better. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I, I dig her look. I, I like straight hair. I don't think there really isn't like a disadvantage of it being straight versus curly, but again, she still looks good as always. And then Paige, due to the effects of a potion... 
the reddest hair you can think of. Too bad one of them didn't go blonde. Then we would have our trio hair colors again. But <laughs> what do you think of uh, Piper's look? Or not Piper, I'm sorry. What do you think of Paige's look? I think it's cute on her. I think I like her color in season four a little bit more, though. Really? I'm yeah. digging the red hair. I love this red hair. I mean, it's not like the redder the better, but I just, I don't know. I just, for some reason, really like it on her. Well, Rob, I'll have you know, between season four and five, I have also changed my hair. I am now blonde currently. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> I had no idea. Like, platinum? Is it light? Like, what kind of blonde are we talking about? Not platinum, not quite like Jamie's in this episode, but light. Okay. All right. Very. I did not know this. Charmies, I haven't seen this man in like five, six months. So I know. <laughs> awesome. Uh. Well, I don't have any different hair color. I'm still bald. So there you have it. But my beard game is on point, though. So, but you can't see it because I got mask on. Hashtag wear a mask. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> all right so um i would love to put our born our borneo demon on our hot man meter list but i couldn't see his face but man was that body hot i know we just we said the same thing he came in without a shirt and anthony and i were both like hmm oh hello there was a quick little mini thing going on in this scene that i noticed is that everyone wanted to pretty much put aside a lot of family and sister responsibilities and sort of not necessarily duties, but things that they would usually do for each other for the sake of work and which um, responsibilities. Uh, do you think that these sisters are suffering by not really being there for each other and focusing more on their careers, um, respectively? Um, yeah, I'd say so. It seems like that was a little bit of the theme so far as that they each have their own life going on, so they're getting pulled away from each other a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, Phoebe finally has the job. I don't know if it's of her dreams, but this is pretty much the first and only time she's really had this sort of confidence to where she is known for something other than just her pretty face and all that jazz. You know, she has a job where she's also helping people and... She's on billboards and everything, so it makes sense for her to have sort of this high to keep that going for as long as possible. And then you've got uh, Paige as somewhat of a super witch now, so she loves embracing her witchy side and is now out there. I don't know if she went after this demon because it didn't look like anybody else really knew about the Borno demon. Well, actually, yes, because they said she said take your position, so I guess they were aware, but I mean, she's out there going after it like what do you think of Paige's like new lease on this whole like witch thing I think that's really interesting and I like that once again we see you know she's taking a different path than Phoebe did when they first got their powers she's actually like going out on her own and trying to like find herself and help people with her powers and that fits into her whole you know trying to be a social worker it makes sense for her yeah yeah, no, I agree with that. I have um, to say, uh, the Borneo demon reminded me so much of Majora from Majora's Mask, Zelda. <laughs> yeah. But, I love how the mask just falls on the ground when he's gone. Yeah. I cracked up. I thought it was so funny, and this is one of your piperisms, 
when Leo was like, now we've got demons showing up in the attic. And she's like, oh, honey, it was just one. <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> See, I told you more comedy is mm-hmm. coming through. <laughs> in a cavern deep in the sea, the sea hag is confronting Miley, a mermaid in love with a mortal man, Craig. The sea hag gave Miley legs for 30 days. Damn, Ariel only got three. This one had 30 days. Where did she stay this whole time? I don't know why all of this is popping in my head right now. I'm just like so confused. <laughs> I didn't know it was 30 days. Jesus Christ. Okay, Um. so, so she could fall in love. Uh, but Craig hasn't specifically said he loves her. The sea hag is trying to get Miley to place an ogre shell over her heart, which will take away her immortality. Uh, Miley starts to place the shell over her heart, but instead throws it at the sea hag and swims away. So uh, to start us off, Sean, do you recognize Miley? Okay, here's my problem, Rob. Yes, I do. And the movies I recognize her from the most are Not Another Teen Movie and A Haunted House 2, where she plays just like a ratchet bitch. So seeing her in a serious role as a mermaid, I had to really work past like the other roles I've seen her, the comedy roles, basically. Yeah. Yeah, she does have a very happy demeanor side to her. Uh, yeah, she's also known for her role in My Name is Earl, the TV series that went a, went a while Um on NBC, I think it was. Uh, but yes, I do recognize her from uh, Not Another Teen Movie. How about the sea hag, Sean? Do you happen to recognize her? For some reason, I knew you were going to ask me that, and I don't, but I feel like I should. Yes, oh. you definitely should. I think I just pieced it together. Go ahead. Okay. Well, so the sea hag, for anyone who also found her face very familiar, she is part of the Tim Burton family. Yep. Not relative, but in her, in his casting, he brings a lot of the familiar folks around in all of his movies, and she was one of them. She is known for Simone, the waitress with the angry, jealous boyfriend in uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but also had a very small cameo as Penguin's mother in Batman Returns. Yep, I just pieced it together, but I had seen your note earlier, so it wouldn't have been fair for me to say it without you saying it first. Oh, you are so kind. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I can't I can't remember if I knew this about her when I first watched the show, but of course, she has a very significant face, so it stands out, and I always see her and be like, I know I know her from somewhere, and sometimes may have to look her up again, but I love her. She's awesome. So, yeah, this is Very Little Mermaid, this storyline here. Um, do you think that a a sustainable relationship um, and the act of love, I guess, can happen within 30 days? Especially with this lie flipping and flapping all over them? Um, no, that seems like a really short amount of time. Like, usually people wait a few months before they say love. And, yeah, I don't know. That seems like really quick for the something to get turned around in 30 days you are lucky to get a second date in the second week okay like i'm sitting here just waiting for bitches to like text me back and like set a date (laughs) and like this woman only has 30 days like i couldn't yeah that's that's not a lot of time i don't know if i could pull that off 
Ariel and Miley are lucky because they just see a... Well, we don't know how Miley found her guy, but, you know, Ariel just saw Eric from the water. Who's to say she doesn't come up out of the water to meet the man of her dreams? And, you know, he could be gay. He could be into, like, hardcore S&M. He could already be with someone. So, yeah, this love stuff is just very lucky for them. (laughs) Well, it seemed to have worked out for her so far. Um, What do you think about sort of this, not necessarily copycat of a storyline, but the way the mermaid is being incorporated into this episode? It's very Little Mermaid. Is that too sort of cheesy for you, or do you think they should have thought a little bit deeper? Um... I actually, I like it. I'm here for it. One of the things that I like when books or shows do is when they take, you know, a fantastical tale like Little Mermaid and they give it kind of a more realistic side. So like this still is very fairy tale in this episode of Charms, but I like, you know, getting it played out in more of a real life, a little bit more of a real life scenario than the cartoon where it's just come up on land, go in carriage rides and fall in love in three days. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Rob, I've got a little history lesson for you, if you like. Yes, please. I looked up the origin of mermaids, and a lot of it comes from, actually, the surprise me, from Greek mythology with the sirens. So the sirens, of course, are half bird, half women, who would lure men to their death with their voices. So I guess eventually, throughout history, um... It gradually shifted from the bird to the fish woman. And so that's why a lot of times when you see mermaids, they do have a very like enchanting voice that will lead people to their death or even in aerials that just is nice to listen to because they originate yeah. from sirens. Um, I also found some other theories of a more realistic kind of setting where they think that people would see like manatees or dugongs and just see the tail and that that's kind of where the whole history came from. Okay, so would you say that mermaids are considered evil more than good in the general sense? I would say it definitely started out that way, but I see good mermaids typically more than I see bad bad mermaids in this day and age. And do they normally just prey on men, given their beauty and their siren song, or do they call women as well? Um, I've only seen it with men. I've never seen women. That's definitely like a a gender thing we need to look into. Huh. Okay. Well, interesting. I did not know that. I, I knew that there was sort of an evil side to them, but I always thought that was more of like a different side of them, like a bright burn situation. Like they're always good. Let's just see what it would look like if they were bad. But it seems their origin was always from evil. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's more that sirens being half bird, like that's always depicted as ugly. Like bird people are never cute to look at, but mermaids (laughs) are usually sexy because they go into that like fish tail and, you know, they swim and it's more of like a romantic thing. Okay, so we won't get too deep into this, but I have to bring it up. Did you watch The Lighthouse? I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll say interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no spoiler, but I'll just leave it at that. Charmies, if you haven't seen Lighthouse, there is a, a mermaid situation. And yes, there you go. All right, go ahead, Sean. 
Leo has found a baby book that Patty started for Piper, one that Piper didn't even know existed. Piper has started a baby book for their baby, whom they're certain is going to be a girl. Leo is trying to put a window frame in place even though it's too heavy for him to lift by himself. However, he's not willing to let Piper help him out of concern for the bebe. Piper isn't willing to slow down even though she's preggers. It's not in her nature. Leo then points out Piper's bebe book stops at age 5 when her mother died. He thinks Piper is headed down the same path as her mother unless she slows down. There's a little bit of a debate here regarding um, how Piper should be acting during her pregnancy. Leo and Piper had a little bit of a, um, a discussion. What do you think about sort of Piper slowing down? Like whose who's side would you say you take in this matter? Um, I think I've seen both sides of the argument. I've seen guys who like basically want their their woman to just, I shouldn't say it like that, their woman. That sounds so wrong. I'm sorry. Their <laughs> pregnant partner, they want them to just, you know, like sit back and do absolutely nothing. And I don't think a woman needs to be like that. Like I've seen women still exercising, working, doing whatnot. Like women are very strong-willed and i think they put up with much more than men do so whatever the woman feels like they can do they i think they can do but on the other hand i've seen like my cousin when she was pregnant she just wanted to lay back and demand everybody do everything for her like it got a little much so i think there's a balance I, I think at this stage of her pregnancy, and this is, again, just speculating, that I think she is still in a position to be able to do a lot of things. I mean, I wouldn't ask her to literally go to the front lines and start fighting demons, but as far as her lifting and helping Leo with the window, I don't see that as, like, a bad thing. And, you know, a woman, she's the only one who knows their bodies. Like, if they tell you they're cool, they're cool. Uh, but you know, Piper, we know her. She's obviously going to try and do things that not necessarily she doesn't know better, but she's obviously going to try and do more than she needs to, you know? So hopefully she is thinking about herself and taking care of herself at the same time. But yeah, I'd have to side with Piper. This is just a little too early to be that cautious. But yes, put it in her mind. Let her know that she does have help. She doesn't have to do it all by herself, yada, yada, right? Right. So... It was also a little weird to find out that Leo has been watching them since they were a baby. Like, this is why they're such a perfect match, because he's been writing notes since birth. I mean, clearly he's definitely compatible to her. He has all the keynotes and, and clues and everything to get into Piper's heart. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just was like, wow. He could have he could have fell for any of those sisters, and it's just funny how, you know, he fell for Piper at the same time. But it's like, how much were you watching since a baby, you know? Right, that's a weird thing to me. Like, the same thing happened in um, Twilight. Same thing happened in Twilight, where, you know, a, a teenage boy knew he was destined to be with a newborn baby, but he doesn't age, so she's going to catch up to him in age. It's just a weird thought that, like, you're going to be with someone that you saw as a baby, to me, at least. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of babies, you know, we found Piper looking through her baby book. Uh, do you still have access to yours? Um, My mom has all that stuff, so, like, if I asked her, she'd probably get it for me. 
Oh, that's nice. Have you looked at it lately or like at all? No, but actually, if you go on my Facebook, I have a weird uncle who like posted a bunch of baby pictures and he's like, oh, you're going to be so embarrassed. I'm like, I don't care. We're all babies once. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't have access to mine. Uh, I wish I did. You know, when I moved a lot around when I was younger, I just sort of lost track with it. From my understanding, my mom has it, but she is on the East Coast, so... I haven't seen it in a while, but I love that book, and I was the cutest baby ever, so I <laughs> I loved <laughs> having access to it, but I, I think she still has it. So the sea hag is still writhing in pain when a low-level demon shimmers in. He's a messenger for Necron, a powerful skeletal being who wants immortality so he can be fully alive. The sea hag wants Necron to be patient. Necron's minion shimmers out and the sea hag raises up a downpour to smoke out Miley. So the power that she uses in this scene is called hydrokinesis, very similar to telekinesis. Uh, The sea hag uses this power combined with the spell to create a flood. Meanwhile, Miley has assumed human form and is on land in San Francisco. She pulled Craig out of of a meeting and demands to know how he really feels about her. He's about to fly to New York and just as he's about to tell her a storm brews and a raindrop touches Miley's thigh revealing her scales. Unwilling to let Craig know she's a mermaid she runs away. Then she sees uh, the billboard of Phoebe's column. All right so we have Craig here. Do you happen to recognize Craig Sean? Oh, no, I don't. (laughs) This is a huge 80s, early 90s TV star. But uh, for the theme of our show, he was the hunk on Teen Witch. He is the one that uh, our lead was trying to get to fall in love with her. Okay. Damn, I need to watch that. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. And he was also the villain of the movie Son-in-Law. He was the one that wanted to marry our lead, but then came home with Polly Shore. Oh, okay. I have seen that movie. Yeah. And this was going to be in my notes, but uh, this star also was in a couple of episodes along with Alyssa Milano in Who's the Boss? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So Miley just blatantly asks, how do you feel about me? Do you think that that is something that you can say in today's sort of dating style? Is that sort of bluntness and sort of straightforward praised or accepted in today's dating? You know, can we do that without scaring them off? Or will they actually tell the truth and be honest when you ask? I think it depends on the person. I think in today's society, the majority of people would be put off by that. But I think a lot of times, like, if you're into someone, you overlook some of the weird, quirky stuff like that if you want to be with them. But for me personally, there would definitely be, I don't know if I'd run away, but there would definitely be some warning signs. Like, why? Why is this coming up? (laughs) I, you know, I love that straightforwardness, you know, and I mean, I I don't usually use that approach with everyone. I'm not saying it works on everyone, but sometimes when you get to a certain point, it's like, 
what else are you supposed to do? You know, for me, I don't mind sort of charging in that way. And hopefully it doesn't come off as, you know, too, you know, a, you know, aggressive, but you know, sometimes you just got to know. And <laughs> with some people you got to just ask just like Miley did. But uh, I also wanted to point out, so San Francisco, even L.A., if it were to rain the way it did there, everybody would be running for the hills. You see how everybody just panicked <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> when the rain started pouring down? Um, yeah, rain like that in L.A., people would freak out. <laughs> Paige walks into the office soaking wet from the rain. Mr. Cohen calls her and tells her she's been promoted to social worker. That was so weird. Like, you're late. You're always like, you can't be late as much. By the way, you're promoted. <laughs> and it means she has to get better about being on time Paige calls up phoebe who is getting ready to head for court to get a default divorce from cole phoebe heads for the garage to find miley waiting for her phoebe initially thinks miley's just another fan but miley says she knows phoebe is a charmed one a splash of water from a passing car reveals miley's tail phoebe manages to help miley get into her car a puddle of water rises up and turns into the sea hag. This power is called water teleportation. It's a type of teleportation. <laughs> Phoebe drives through the sea hag, who briefly explodes into water before reconstituting, which is called liquefaction. Have you heard of liquefaction? Um, I've seen it before. I haven't heard that term before, though, but it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I love Phoebe got a Mini Cooper. I don't know why I find these cars to be so super cute, but I love them. I'm glad she has one. It's a cute car. <laughs> so when I was watching this, I noticed right away when Phoebe and Paige are talking on the phone, like it does that split screen with that sound effect. And it just seemed like such a like comedy movie effect to me. I was like, okay, I see where Rob's coming from. This is definitely going to be like a lighter season. <laughs> Well, I don't know if that has anything to do with the budget. I mean, as the show gets more popular and, and you know, older, uh, I have a feeling that more money was thrown into this show. And a sort of a cutscene like that has never been used before. Maybe that has something to do with their uh, budget on effects and things. So uh, that could be an explanation. But yes, there is a little bit of a lighter tone with this season. So it's funny that you notice that. At the manor... Miley is dried off and back to human form. Paige rushes in after being called away from work. Miley explains that mermaids can spend eternity at sea because their hearts are normally as cold as the water. However, her heart warmed up, we don't know how, and she, want, and she wanted love. She, uh, which is why the sea hag gave her legs. Unfortunately, she's reluctant to tell Craig that she's a mermaid. Piper and Phoebe are reluctant to help, much to Paige's frustration, and Paige pulls Piper and Phoebe into the kitchen. Phoebe is concerned about her court date, but Paige thinks that she can, she and Piper can handle the sea hag themselves. However, Piper is reluctant to face her largely because she kills in the same manner that her mother was killed by the water demon, and Leo notices Piper is a bit shaken. So, Sean, I have a would-you-rather... For you. Okay. Would you rather <laughs> would you rather live forever with your guilt? No, I'm kidding. Would you rather <laughs> live forever as a mermaid and only be a part of the sea? Or would you be okay with mortality as a human 
and being vulnerable, but receptive to love and a whole bunch more. So I'll sweeten the pot a little bit with the whole mermaid thing. You know, clearly you'll have access to, you know, see the world and yada yada and all that good jazz. And so no responsibilities, no bills, no heartache on money, all of that good stuff. What would you rather do? So I'm going to make this really easy for you. One of my biggest fears is sharks. (laughs) And sharks are in the ocean. (laughs) That is very true. So, yes, there are deadly beings in the sea just as well as on land. So that makes sense. Um, The idea of, you know, no responsibilities and just kind of living carefree would be awesome. My thing is, is that as a mermaid, am I aware of all of the opportunities and possibilities that are on land? Because, you know, if I don't have anything to compare it to, do I really yearn for something more, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I think the idea of being free of all of it is actually very, very tempting. But, you know, knowing about both worlds, I would probably pick to be human and mortal. Living for 100 years to kind of do whatever, that can get very tiresome. I agree. And I think I think it would be like an aerial situation where you'd probably eventually forget what it was like to be human. And then you'd find out about humans and be like, God, I wish I could be a human. And then the cycle just goes on from there. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Piper, I think, was right and justified in her feelings regarding the sea hag and water like demons. I'm not I can't say I'm mad about her sort of not really wanting to deal with the sea hag or this mermaid problem. Um, What do you think? Um, Yeah, I can't I can't blame her too much because we saw that water killed her mom, a water demon. And also, like, water can be very dangerous. Like, we even see in this episode later, like, with water, you can put it around someone and suffocate them and do all kinds of crazy stuff with it. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, it's it's funny, out of all the demons, you know, it's, it's just something as simple as water is what freaks them all out because of how their mom died. And I don't, I don't know, it's... Do you think they should be over it by now? Or do you think this will just be an ongoing fear regardless how many demons they face? Um, I think it's it's rational that they'd still be afraid of it because if um, their mom, who they look up to as this powerful witch, was vanquished by a water demon, then there's probably that element of like... Uh, element. Um, there's probably the element of if she couldn't take them on, then what use are we going to be against a water demon? Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Necron's minion appears in the Sea Hag's lair, followed by Necron himself. The Sea Hag 2 is up against the deadline. Six months earlier, she talked Necron out of killing her by promising to give him a mermaid's immortality. The Sea Hag promises an even more powerful storm to find Miley. Necron kills his minion instead using a form of kinesis called electrokinesis and tells the sea hag she'll be next unless she can get Miley. Paige tracks down Craig at the airport and tries to talk him into talking to Miley. He initially refuses, but changes his mind after Paige says Miley's life is in danger. Now, one thing I found interesting about this scene, and I looked it up because I had a feeling it probably was like around that time, 
So Rob, did you know that this episode came out 11 days after September 11, 2002? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so I was thinking to myself, like, this is like the last time we'll see an airport like this in a show. You can't just run into an airport and stop somebody from getting on a plane anymore. You have to, like, be outside the airport before security. And it was just an interesting thought to me. He did get him at the gate. She did get him at the gate. That's right. That's so funny. I mean, she was, like, right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, no, that's interesting. I, I Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Um, so Necron's entrance, um, was lighting teleportation, uh, which is another form. And it reminds me a lot of like Raiden and, and such. Um, do you have like a specific teleportation or is Nightcrawler sort of your thing? Is that the way you want to go? Oh, you know, the only thing about Nightcrawler is when he teleports, he leaves like a smoke of sulfur. So it stinks whenever he teleports. Yeah. So I'd probably want to be more like Raiden. Like he just you know, rides that lightning. Get it, girl. Yeah, that's that's what I want to do. I love that type of teleportation. It's so cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually enjoyed this scene quite a bit. And even though it's super subtle, I looked at this scene and I immediately thought of like bullying. And I don't know why, but to me, it just kind of reminds me, you have the sea hag who in the beginning of the episode came off super badass. You know, she has all of this power. She's in charge. You know, um, she's doing her, you know, her own mission. She's trying to, you know, get everything that she needs to, but she answers to someone. So like, even though you see someone who feels like they have all the power and they're using sort of like, you know, anger and violence to like belittle you and power over you, most likely there's going to be somebody that is doing the same thing to them. And it should also, you shouldn't also look at it as like, oh, because he's able to do this, that he's on top of the food chain or, you know, nobody can beat him. You know, there's always going to be somebody bigger than that person. And so mm-hmm. hopefully that would motivate you to kind of see that these people don't have all the power in. They only have the power that you give them and they can be just as pushed under a thumb, just like they can with, you know, whoever it's happening to. So it, it was just funny to see that, you know, she's being this aggressive villain when she's really just answering to somebody else because she is a victim technically just like the mermaid is, you know? Right. It definitely brings a different element to it and makes him even more dangerous that he's pulling her strings. So Phoebe and Daryl are before a judge and Phoebe claims to have expended considerable effort to find Cole. And Daryl says that he believes that Cole left the country. Uh, I couldn't believe all of the steps that needed to be accomplished in order to get a divorce without a signature. I mean, they were like, we need you to actively be looking for him and you need to put it in the paper. I, I had no idea these rules existed. So the judge grants the divorce, but just as Phoebe is about to sign the decree... Cole walks in and Phoebe is very angry at Cole and Daryl is upset that Cole made him look bad in front of the judge. And so Cole insists that he's good, but Phoebe wants him out of her life. Daryl wants to chew Cole out, but Cole waves his hand and turns him into a water cooler, (laughs) (laughs) further angering Phoebe. 
Cole says that he's required a raft of powers so he can redeem himself, and he vows not to give up on Phoebe. In rage, Phoebe grabs a letter opener and points it at Cole. Cole tries to take it out of her hand, but Phoebe slashes him. And a few drops of blood fall on some papers, and Cole's wound magically heals, and then the blood on the paper starts to bubble like acid. What we saw there is called acid secretion. Uh, After returning from the demonic wasteland, Cole's blood was um, acidic, or acidic, acidic, excuse me, acidic. Horrified, Phoebe runs away, and Cole turns Daryl back to normal. So, do you, so Sean, do you think that Cole's sort of type of persistence that you're seeing right now would seem like a very romantic gesture in real life, or would you say it's overbearing or stalkerish? Um, I would say I think there's a thin line between the two, and I think the determining factor is like how the person reacts to it, in this case, Phoebe. So it definitely is coming off to me a little more stalkerish because she's telling him, like, go away. But the fact that she's still kind of into him, I think it's I think he's picking up on that. So that's why he's being as persistent as he is. Think about these young adult films and television shows. And we just talked about one a little earlier, Twilight. And this obsessive compulsive idea of just like if you keep pushing them, trying to convince them that we belong together and we're meant for each other and I love you, I love you, and this is how I'm going to show it by continuously just rammering it down your throat. We tend to find that a bit of a romantic gesture or the way that it's executed or filmed. So, like, is it is it the activity or is it the way that it comes off, like... I don't know. Do you do you see that same sort of emotion when you're watching these young adult movies, or does it come off romantic the way that they do it? Yeah, because like going with your example, I think it's funny in Twilight. Like Edward straight up goes into Bella's room and watches her sleep, which to me is creepy as fuck. But because she's into him, it's seen as romantic. Whereas in Paranormal Activity, she gets up and watches her boyfriend sleep, and it's creepy as fuck because it's supposed to be. So yeah, I think I think it is over romanticized in a lot of teenage films and I think that is actually very dangerous in a way to society because you know you grow up expecting, you know, this one person just to fall completely in love with you and that's not always what life is, you know, there's ups and downs, there's troubles, there's, you know, everything. It's a struggle to be with someone, but there's also yeah. good to being with someone. Mhm. Yeah, no, I agree. Piper has looked up the sea hag in the Book of Shadows. She has control over the water, and Piper thinks that may explain the heavy rainstorms. Miley mentions that the sea hag can even stir up tidal waves, unnerving Piper. Leo senses something is wrong and tells Piper to try to keep Miley calm while he checks with the elders. Craig and Paige walks in, but Craig still refuses to take the situation seriously. Miley wets her feet and turns into full mermaid form. A horrified Craig leaves, and the sea hag tracks Miley to the manor. Piper tries to freeze her, but it has no effect. The sea hag throws a water ball at Paige and traps her in a tower of water. She throws another water ball at Piper, but Piper ducks behind the couch. Miley calls for help, but Piper is frozen in fright. 
Piper comes out behind the couch to find Paige coughing and Miley gone. So this is very similar to second season's um, premiere episode where Prue froze and couldn't use her powers because she was very scared as well. And so this is sort of a rite of passage for Piper once again as the oldest sister. (laughs) Right, and I like that we're peeling back the onion of Piper a little bit more because now she has a new element in. So she's got her bebe to think of. And it just, Mm -hmm. it makes me interested in seeing once the bebe is born, like how's that going to affect her being a charmed one, having to also watch out for a child. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So Sean, how would you react if you found out Anthony was a mermaid this whole time? (laughs) that'd be awesome (laughs) you're funny now is that because of what you know i mean think of it in a term as if like we don't have the media to give us a glorified version of mermaids like would you really be okay with the fact that he just lied to you this whole time or the fact that you have to deal with mermaids no i mean i agree it would definitely be jarring and this this episode, even more so, I think, than Little Mermaid, gives me splash vibes because yes. like, they were dating and she, she turns into a mermaid when wet. So I think I would definitely like have Tom Hanks reactions where he's just like freaks out and basically just leaves. <laughs> but then now, comes back later. <laughs> I know. I, I wonder what I would think of this. Well, only because I don't know sort of the the rules with mermaids right and so it's like okay let's say that i do decide to date a mermaid what are the terms what do i do like is such and such allowed yada yada you know it just really depends do i run scouring screaming like oh my god i can't deal with this what are you like i'm not gonna react that way especially if they've been cool this entire time and i'm sure within those 30 days they've had sex i'm only assuming i'm a whore so i assume that (laughs) within 30 (laughs) days you're not dating without some kind of physical contact but i mean they've been cool this whole time you know so listeners you heard it here first. Rob <laughs> is a self-proclaimed whore. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually really sucks that Miley has her voice. Ariel didn't. She can say I love you first and get a reaction. It's funny that the rules, which aren't really said, is that he has to say it first. I guess it doesn't mean anything if he doesn't say it first. Like, you wonder why that was a thing. Yeah, and I think I think the only thing that was troubling to me is the way that she kept doing it. Like, how do you feel about me? How do you feel about me now? Like, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a better way to start the conversation than tell me. Tell me right now. You have to tell me. You have to tell me. I was well, like, leaving forever. Usually what you would do is you would pronounce your feelings first, you know, yeah. I mean, especially if they've already tried and then you ran away. So, yeah, it was a little weird, but I mean, charmed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Phoebe and Paige are shocked that Piper lost an innocent. But Leo believes Piper's maternal instincts are kicking in and Piper found a spell to vanquish her. Unfortunately, the elders told Leo that they need a mermaid to track her down. And so Paige realizes they have to find um, Miley before she gives up hope and her immortality. 
Leo orbs to the airport to find Craig, and Phoebe and Paige talk to Piper into resting while they find the sea hag. Miley is distraught over Craig, and the sea hag sees this and offer her offers her the ogre shell again. Um, I love how she gives her the shell, does a little speech, and then takes off. I would not have left her alone with that shell. I would have stood right there and made sure she used it this time. I mean, right. she's got a debt to pay. I just love the fact that she left her alone. Like, that was really going to help her do it even quicker. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't have left. But um, Daryl is pinned down by a machine gunner in a diner. The criminal sneaks up behind Daryl to ambush him, and he shoots. Suddenly, the bullets slow to, to a stop, and Cole shimmers in behind him and offers to help him get the collar as part of his effort to prove he's good. Daryl tells Cole it's a waste of time, and Phoebe doesn't want him. So here we go again with another episode of Daryl and Cole's spinoff. Can you imagine if they, like... <laughs> got together and did crime yeah <laughs> that's its own show setup. in itself it was a total setup for a pilot i mean he was just like i can help you fight criminals and they were just in there chatting while this criminal was like um frozen which i thought was hilarious and another potential hot man meter contestant but unfortunately he was an unknown actor so i can't put him on the list that man had body too <laughs> You know what's funny is the spinoff we're proposing for them is basically Angel. It's Angel. It is Angel, yes. <laughs> and, you know, Cole has way too many powers for the show to even justify any kind of risk-taking or high stakes, but I'm here for it. I mean, it's buddy cop, it's interracial but you know, friends, it's powers versus human. Like, come on. This is just begging for one. And they had more of screen time together. Did you notice that? Yeah, I like, to me, this is a really interesting call because we're seeing that he's so powerful and I feel like the only thing that's keeping him good right now is his love for Phoebe. So like, I'm in it. I'm like, okay, so what happens if Phoebe keeps like refusing him? Like, where is he going to go mentally? What's going to happen? So I'm here for Cole season five, girl. Okay, look at that. Okay, so... I don't necessarily see that his story is being repetitive. I mean, it's cool to kind of get the season three Cole back where he's not so brooding and just depressed and trying to be all sorts of evil and, sh and you know, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, it makes sense for him to try, you know, so I get it. All right. Paige has written a spell to track down the sea hack. Her cell phone is ringing off the hook. Did you see that? Did you see that pun there? Off the hook. <laughs> it's Cohen. When, or is it? It's Cowan, huh? I'm saying it wrong. Cowan? We'll say Cowan. It's Cowan wondering where she is. Paige starts to wonder if being a social worker is really her destiny. She notices Phoebe is somewhat moody. Phoebe tells Paige that Cole is back. She shows Paige the letter opened, opener she slashed Cole with. His blood caused the tip to eat away. Phoebe wants to run and hide. She feels Cole has sucked all the fight out of her. Paige offers to find a way to vanquish Cole for good. Phoebe and Paige aren't sure if Piper is up to hunting down the sea hag. Just then, Piper walks in. She wants to find the sea hag for Miley's sake. The sisters cast the spell. Powers of the Witches Rise 
Find the hag who speaks and lies. Balance chakra, focus chi. Lead us through the cruel, cruel sea. But nothing happens at first. Suddenly, Phoebe doubles over and turns into a mermaid. And, wow, her boobs. Her boobs look great as a mermaid. Like, she they are just has got out there. <laughs> some amazing side boob action going on. I'm living for it. <laughs> and for us to notice. <laughs> I know. And Phoebe reluctantly enters the ocean just as Leo orbs in. All right, so... I mean, who didn't see this coming? (laughs) (laughs) And it's very fitting, of course, for Phoebe to be the one to turn into a mermaid. Of course, we find out why later. But for us, it's because she was the sort of focal point and inspiration that brought Ariel to life to begin with. Uh, So, yeah, this is costume number one, Sean. This is one of many, many costumes in season five. You are going to see a lot. And it's a good thing at least she didn't get turned into a dog to track a demon this time. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we have our mermaid now. All right, what do you think about this turn of events here? Um, So far, I like it. It's it's very fitting. Like, of course, one of them will get turned into something before the episode's over. So I'm not surprised. And like you said, (laughs) I'm not surprised it's Phoebe for what she's going through. And I don't know why, but I totally did not make that connection that Ariel was designed after her. So now she gets to be Ariel. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Phoebe pops up. Uh, the call of the sea is very is is every bit as strong as Miley said it was. She senses a stench in the water and tracks it to Miley and the sea hag, just as Miley is placing the shell on her heart. Phoebe calls for Leo. And he, Piper, and Paige start to orb away, but at the last second, Piper panics and lets go. Paige orbs the shell away from Miley, and the sea hag encases Paige in seaweed. Leo grabs a sword and swings it at the sea hag. He misses, and the sea hag traps him in a tower of water. Phoebe throws the shell at the sea hag's heart, vanquishing her. Miley is near death, and Leo can't heal a mermaid. Thinking Craig is the only one who can save her, Paige has Leo orb Craig off of his plane, that is some scary shit, and Leo convinces Craig to tell Miley that he loves her. Miley is now fully human, and Leo can heal her, so Leo senses Piper's panic and wants to go back to her. However, Phoebe is still a mermaid and refuses to return to land. So, this last scene, of course, is you know, the lesson of the day, you know, that can be incorporated into today's world is that loving someone who isn't considered normal. Um, you know, I, as we were saying earlier, you know, yes, she turned human at the end of the day, but, you know, I think we talked a little bit about this when we reviewed Little Mermaid on the movie Geek and Proud, you know, David brought up sort of this idea that, this storyline was in some shape or form of um, of being trans and, you know, not fitting that cisgender sort of role when um, coupling with someone and challenging the other, you know, can you love me even though I am not, you know, the biological, you know, term 
And, you know, can you love someone different? And it doesn't even have to go at that far. This could be out of, you know, societal beauty norms and things like that. And so I, it's, it's a nice, you know, sort of, you know, lesson, you know? First off, girl, I'm the one who brought up the trans thing, so don't give did that you? credit to David. Okay, I thought <laughs> David did. I couldn't remember who did. Okay, yes, so I knew somebody did. <laughs> but you're very right. I think I talked about this on Little Mermaid also, but I'll repeat it here just briefly. But I've definitely always felt that scene in Little Mermaid where Triton is having his daddy fit at Ariel and like he's a human, you're a mermaid. To me, that's always rang very true for a gay man, and I think that's why we love Little Mermaid the way we do, because, you know, the dad's usually the one who's not okay with their son being gay, and, and you know, I very much identify with Ariel for that reason. I went through that with my dad. Uh, thinking a little bit of head, though, I wonder what a movie would be like if a human just had so much to spare in the love department and decided they just wanted to become a mermaid and, and some kind of other being to just get away from all of this shit because their life just doesn't work as a human. What would happen if Craig and Miley just happened to break up? I mean, it's only been a month and yes, she's human now, but like, let's say they break up. Where is she going to go? What is she going to do? And she's mortal. That's true. Yeah, I thought about that too. Like, that sucks. Like, she gave up everything for him. And it's only been a month, so you really don't know. And she really doesn't know human customs. So, like, her idea of a relationship could be like, you know, we sit in a jacuzzi all day. And he's like, hey, we're real people. Like, I need to go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She better behave. I know that. (laughs) All right, so that is the first half of our premiere episode. What did you think of the first half, Sean? Um, I liked it. I thought it was good. I don't know if I would say worth the wait, though, even though it's mermaids, and I've always really liked mermaids, only because like I'm imagining waiting a whole year to see this, and then to me, it started to kind of fall apart towards the end where Phoebe wanted to stay a mermaid, only because we just went through this whole like adventure, we vanquished evil, and now she's like, no, I don't want to come back. And to <laughs> me, that was very like, come on, <laughs> anticlimactic getaway. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> Charmy's. I don't know how he's getting through the second half of this show, because <laughs> part two <laughs> is all about that. <laughs> um, okay, so just a couple of notes before we close up our episode. Before shooting for the season started... Rose McGowan cut and dyed her hair bright red. The writers worked this into the show by having Leo comment that Paige's change of color excuse me, came from a potion uh, blowing up in her face. In 2008, though, or I'm sorry, in 2018 um, interview, Rose revealed that she actually got in a lot of trouble with the studio for doing this as none of the three main actresses were allowed to alter their appearance without previous author um, authorization from the network. I think a few things about that's funny. Like, A, I think it's funny that they had to write in like a magic spell that it too, rather than just saying, oh, Paige colored her hair, which is a very normal thing for people to do. But I also think it's funny that um, that they're so strict with it. Like, why does it matter if she colors her hair? And why didn't they just have her color it back? Well, so, oh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, 
who knows what was said and why Rose did it. I don't know if it was for a role or maybe just for her personal preference. But, I mean, two things. Leo, or not Leo, but maybe the writers thought that who the hell would choose to be a redhead? Because they're evil, right? They have no souls. So it's like they have to think of a reason to force her into having red hair versus her choosing to just dye her hair in the show. But another thing is, is that the Charmed Ones, the Hollowells, they obviously have a specific sort of um, trait to them. And, and that's, you know, in their DNA. And a big part of their identity is having brunette hair. And that's just kind of how I always saw them. Anytime they did like a photo shoot together or where they were all in the same room, they all had dark hair. So t- I guess removing that sort of separates them, I guess, in the way of saying like they're related because it's like nobody in their family has red hair so why does she you know but that's again a theory i don't really know why this was an issue right so i don't know if you know this sean but Alyssa milano sort of played in racier roles back in the day um did you ever hear of a series called poison ivy oh (laughs) yes i have my parents (laughs) love like these dirty movies like they were all into the poison ivy movies and i wasn't allowed to watch them with them because of course they are what they are but yeah Yeah. i've heard of them (laughs) no my parents did the same thing so they came out with sequels i think there was a full trilogy uh Alyssa milano starred in part two while jamie presley was the lead in part three wow i know small world right Mm-hmm. all right so there you have it that is our first half join us tomorrow um bright and early on monday i will release the second half of uh the uh premiere of a witch's tale and then we will uh get to our first ever uh hotmail hotmail hotman meter of the season so join us tomorrow enjoy the rest of your day and um Sean, say goodbye to the folks. Bye to the folks.